Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. All right, this week we are going to be taking a look at Rolling Realms, Hadara, and Fun Facts, which led us somewhat into the discussion topic this week because it was a party game, and we decided to do this week our top five party games. Before we get into any reviews, there is something I want to talk about because I did something cool yesterday and I want to kind of chat about it. <laughs> you did it was, something cool? Yeah, it was awesome. So my wife and I went and did glass blowing for oh. the first time ever and it was awesome. The way the class is structured, we didn't actually collect the glass or anything like that. There was a there was a guy there that was doing most of the work, but Whatever we could like help with, we did. Like I was able to pick up the frit, and I was able to you know twist it into like the blast furnace and stuff like that. So there was like a bunch of stuff we got to help with, like twisting the glass in order to make the swirls and stuff. So long story short, we made pumpkins. Obviously, uh-huh. it's October, right? Uh-huh. And uh, it was awesome. And I don't know if anyone has watched uh, Blown Away, which is that Netflix series about blowing glass. No. Have you watched this at all? Okay, so uh-uh. there's three seasons, and my wife and I have watched all three seasons. We, for whatever reason, that stuff oh, it just seems so interesting to us. So my wife set it up for us to go and do this uh, this glass blowing thing, which was like it was it was awesome. It was great. If you're in the like Grand Rapids area, there's this workshop that you can go to. The guy who did it did a really good job of like letting you know how things needed need to do and when you're supposed to be doing stuff. So we were able to collect some frit. We were able to twist the glass in order to create swirls and stuff. And then um, in order to inflate the glass, he had us have this like little plunger thing. This little like hand, like you squeeze it with your hand and you're able to push air into it and everything. It was, it was awesome. And I really think I need to take glass blowing classes. Like I want to <laughs> learn legit how to blow glass. It was awesome. What's the place called? Could you just sign up to take, um, anybody can sign up to take classes? Yes. So kind. No, not really. So let me explain. <laughs> so the name of the place is Grand Rapids Glassblowing Studio. Mm-hmm. And their business model isn't specifically to teach people how to blow glass or how to. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's the right term to say blow glass. But um, what they do is they do these like projects where you can come in around Halloween and you'll make pumpkins with them. And you're basically his assistant. While he's building the building your pumpkin, you get to pick colors and stem colors and stuff like that. But you're basically his assistant. And like, I think during Christmas time, you make ornaments for your Christmas Mm -hmm. tree. But he specifically does not teach you how to blow glass. And what's funny is I was asking him about it. And one of the main reasons he goes, there's such a high turnover rate in that just because of how difficult it is. He goes, it just, I couldn't do it because I felt like I was just, I would just be stealing people's money. He was telling me like the first class he ever took, he was partnered with somebody and they went to collect the glass and the uh, machine that held the glass has to be like 2000 some degrees, right? In Mm -hmm. order to keep everything liquid. Well, the one that they were training on was gas. So as soon as they opened the door, the flame started shooting out the front of the door. Well, the person he was paired up with, I guess she like burned all the hair on her arms and stuff like that. And she was like, I'm done. I'm not even going to, I'm done with this class. Um. And it's such a high turnover rate because of how difficult it is. I was asking him, I was like, well, how long does it take to be good? 
And his response was, you're probably takes you like two years really before you start being decent at stuff. But it just seems like, I don't know, man, it seems so cool how to like, ah, man, I got to try it. I, feel, I really want to try it. Can you get into it as like a hobby? Yeah, it's expensive, I guess. So I bet I because I need to look at like what actual classes are because the, the, the guy was like, you know, you can go see this person. He's the one who taught me how to blow glass. And I was like, all right, cool. And I'm going to look into it. And uh, I'm trying to remember what he said cost wise. Because basically it's broken up into four hour sessions and it's probably like 80 bucks, 100 bucks a session, I want to say. Well, I'm sure the equipment, unless you can you go around to that place and use their equipment? Well, wherever you go to learn, they'll have the equipment set up. But if you want to, you know, make any sort of stuff by yourself, chances are you probably need to create your own little studio. And I guess you can get small furnaces and stuff for like five grand or something like that. So it's definitely not a cheap hobby to get into, but I don't know. I want to try it out. I think I'm going to have to try out some glass blowing. I, it just, it was, it was a lot of fun. I'm just saying it was a lot. You of have fun. your pump. I want to see your pumpkin. Can you take a picture of it? Uh, we don't have them yet. So we did it yesterday okay. and they put, got put in the annealer and we couldn't pick them up until today. The place it's in Grand Rapids, but I live outside of Grand Rapids and it's like a 40 minute drive there. Uh-huh. So we're just going to pick them up like next weekend when we're out and about. Okay. But yes, I will show you my pumpkin. So my my college football team of choice is Michigan State, and it's green and white, and my pumpkin, green and white. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's ever blown glass or anything like that, like shoot me a message. I'm like really curious about the learning process. But anywho, how about we get into some board games? Let's talk about some board games. This is a board game podcast, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you got, Natasha? Ooh. Okay. So I played this new. Um, I guess it's not new, new to me. My first time I played it was yesterday called Rolling Realms, designed by Jamie Stegmeyer. It's a Stonemeyer game. It's got art by Milas Bensky and Marius Petruscu. And it's a roll and write game. It plays uh, one to six players. Um, and you basically get these, um, there's a bunch of cards in the game and you select three of them and everybody has the same three cards. And each card is based on a game. Uh, they're all Stonemeyer games. So there's a wingspan one, there's a tapestry, a scythe, um, viticulture, and they each play a little different, but each of them can collect up to six stars and you roll two dice and each die can go onto one of the three cards. You can't have this two dice go on both the cards and you use the die to like collect resources and then you could spend the resources to manipulate the dice or um, various other things and or or collect the stars. So some of the stars require resources to get. And they all play very different and they're very like kind of thematic to the game itself. So like the little scythe card, um, you can, if you select the top number, so like let's say you roll a five and then you can select the five and then you get a resource with it. But then if you have the resource at the bottom, right, you have the resource at the bottom, you can do the bottom action, which gets you a star. But you have to spend the resources to do it. So they're each of the cards are... Um, are thematic and so it's kind of fun to play each of them and and they're real simple they're kind of like three little mini games so you add up all your your score at the end any resources that you've collected that you haven't spent are worth a tenth of a point and those can kind of add up or be a tiebreaker so you can get up to 18 points each round which i which i don't think anybody did um and then you get rid of those cards erase all your race your board and then you do it you repeat the game again but with three different cards 
there's a between two cities one which you can score based on the two card the two other cards you play you have to score your lowest ones or they're all really thematic you play the three rounds and then you add up your score and you're done what makes the game so charming is just the meta game underneath it how they're all based on games and and they're really light like really lightly based on them but but still kind of fun and interesting you know there's a libertalia one where you're you know that's a part of the expansion and expanded expansion card but you can um you got to get these pirates in the right order so it's really kind of fun and i thought it was really kind of charming and i like rolling rights and i liked it because it was all based on games that i've played or most of them that i've played it was fun yeah i've been wanting to play this game for a little bit now and i just haven't had an opportunity to play mm-hmm. it cuz it seems super cool that you have a bunch of mini you have a bunch of mini games that are games he's made and that's yeah. such an interesting unique concept and i'm 90% sure this is the game he developed during covid and lockdown so i don't know if you're aware but there he would jump on facebook live like once a week or whatever and he was just basically creating a roll and write game in front mm. of people and letting people play and I think the player count up to six only is only because of what's limited in the box, right? Correct. Yeah, you could have your own. You could have your own copy and, and add more players to it. And I think people have gone online and created um, like print and play versions of it because it's you know you could just print it yourself. Wouldn't be as cute, but it's it's um, there's no role player interaction. You play by yourself or with up to six players, which is kind of nice because you can get a lot of players and it's only about thirty minutes or so. If, if you know, already know how to play. Classic roll and write fashion, right? Uh, yeah. Not a ton of player interaction, but a lot of mini games. That's what I think interests me the most. And it's interesting be- and it changes up because you randomly select the three or you can choose them. And some of them give you a lot of resources. Some of them require you to spend resources. So they, they play to some of the way that they play together is interesting. Some of them you want, you really need to complete them in order to get the most amount of stars. Like you'll get like four stars, but if you complete this, you'd get another star. If you complete this, you get another star. So you really want to complete some of them or some of them you just like kind of just go along and just try to get as many stars as you can. So it's kind of interesting in how you decide and you can kind of, there's a, there's enough strategy in it where I think it's really kind of interesting. It's definitely one of those games that I want to try. I want to get to the table. It's a Stonemeyer game. So I'm like, in, I'm interested in this game. So. Yep, I'd give it an 8 out of 10. I thought it was really good. That's Rolling Realms. All right, next up, I want to talk about uh, the game Hadara, which is a drafting civilization game designed by Benjamin Schwer and art by Dominic Mayer, published by Z-Man Games. In this game, players will be growing their civilizations by drafting citizens to increase their various achievement tracks, to explore new colonies, and build grand statues. Hadara is played over the course of three epochs, and each epoch has two phases. Uh, Before we get into the game flow, the main idea in this game is that players will be acquiring cards, and these cards will typically increase one of the four main tracks on your board, income, military, culture, and food, which will help the players out in some way. There are technically five cards in the game, one for each track, and then there's a fifth card type, which is kind of like a wild. It can give you pushes on the various tracks, or it can give you different in-game benefits. Each card type has its own location on the main central board. So at the start of phase one, the first player will position a spinner on the main board, which has the different player symbols, to one of the five card spots. There is a stack of cards which is usually, which is two times the number of players. Now each player simultaneously will look at where their player symbol is and pick up the top two cards from the stack in that zone. 
they look at the cards and decide a couple things. They need to take one of the cards and place it back into the corresponding zone face up into a new pile. Then they can either choose to add the new card to their tableau by paying its cost and increase the corresponding tracks, or they can discard the card completely and gain money. Players will continue to rotate the spinner, looking at new stacks of cards until everyone has looked at each stack once. When this is done, players will move on to the next part of phase one, which is income. It is important to note that each card region now has a stack of face-up cards, which is going to be equal to the number of players. After players gain income, they can take a colony if their military track is high enough. Players have two choices with this. They can plunder, which gives them coins, or they can integrate, which costs money, but it gives you additional pushes on the various tracks. The only problem is you don't actually know which ones they'll be. Next is carve a statue, which is based on your culture track. This can either give you more points or pushes on the tracks. After players have completed this phase, they move into phase two. In turn order, they will now have access to open drafting one of the face-up cards from any one of the piles. They have a similar choice. They can either choose to add it by paying its costs, or they can discard it for money. Players do this until all the cards have been used. Then they move into the income phase again. Then they're going to take another colony if they have enough military, or they can carve another statue. After this is done, players will need to feed their people, so they check their food track and compare it to the number of cards they have. If their food track is higher, no big deal. But if their food track is lower, they have to discard cards until the numbers match. However, their tracks will now decrease based on the cards that they get rid of. Next, players can buy gold or silver medals, which will be endgame scoring based on either complete sets of cards or how far you've gotten on specific tracks. I think what makes this game awesome is the type of drafting you're doing it can actually give you some really interesting decisions with those cards because you end up having to put one of the cards back, which is going to potentially be available to other players. Yeah, I thought that was the most fun part about the game. I don't know why it was fun, but you just went around and redrafted all the cards that we've uh, previously discarded. You know, and it, and it took me around to kind of figure out that's what we were doing. So then the next round, I was like, okay, well... Do I want to, I really want to buy this card, but I can't afford it right now. Do I put it back in the pile or, you know, do I discard it for coin because I don't want to give it to somebody else? You know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of choices that you're making there with which card gets discarded back into the pile for everybody else to buy, but maybe you'll be able to buy it. You know, you don't know if nobody else takes it, you could get it. So it was, it was really interesting. It's weird to think that you take two cards, but then you have to think so much further down the road with them. So you take two cards, one you're going to do something with personally, and then the other one you're going to basically give access to. Mm -hmm. And you look at that card and you say, all right, you know, it's worth X amount of points, but it's also this amount of money. Mm -hmm. Do I care that much if somebody gets it? But then you see how many pushes on a track. So if it has a high number of pushes, you're like, I don't know if I want to give anyone access to that card, mm -hmm. but maybe I can get it. You know, so then you're, okay, I'm going to put this one back. Now you're looking at this card. You're like, well, do I, does it matter if I add it to my tableau? Do I care that much? Do I maybe want to save up some money so I can buy other cards that I really want? It has a really unique way of dealing with those cards because you look at two, then you put one back, and then you're going to be looking that, at those cards again in the, in the phase two, which I think is really cool. Plus, it's all simultaneous. Yes. Th yes. I can see... Uh 100% why you like this game. One, it's drafting and tracks. It's tracks the board game with drafting. Like, duh, yes, this is a Bob 100%. game. 100%. Yep. Also, it's super snappy. You you draw two cards, you pick one, play it. Play it or turn it in for, for money, which you will do often because you're not going to have enough money. And you can't 
I learned this the hard way. You cannot keep taking as many cars as you can possibly afford because you won't be able to feed them and you'll lose them, which is really, really painful. That's a lesson you'll make or a lesson you will learn one time and you will never do it again. Yes. hundred percent. You do it once. You probably won't do it again. Yeah. Cause it is painful and you can just discard the cards for money. So first you draft these cards, these two cards, you know, and then you move to the next color. You draft these two. It's super snappy. And then once that's done, you get some more money. And now you're drafting the cards that we've discarded. You know, and then you get some more money. And then you get to build these things that give you extra extra pushes up the track and extra points. It's just, it's a lot of a game. There's a lot of components and whatnot. But it just feels so snappy. But yet it still feels like a big heavy, and I shouldn't say heavy, but like a big, a big, bigger game, you know, with a lot of decisions. It plays bigger than it is almost like. Yeah, it, it feels like you're doing more than the half hour of play that you're actually doing. I think that's what I love the most about it, too, is just the amount of fulfillment you get by playing the game. Because, yes. again, it's so fast that, like, you're barely waiting for anybody. The only time sometimes you're waiting is you're just like, oh, man, you're you take a second to really decide what two cards. What are you going to do with those two cards? Mm-hmm. You know, that tends to be where. Most of the time is spent is somebody doing that. But then even like, you know, when you're taking the colonies or if you're, you know, carving statues, those phases move tend to move pretty quickly. Mm -hmm, Because everyone's doing them at the same time, which is nice. Yeah, it's all simultaneous. So it just I don't know. It just seems to flow extremely well. And that whole idea of, you know, I keep coming back to the having two cards and then putting one back. As simple as that sounds, there's a lot of things you think about. And I think that's what I love the most is the tension it creates by saying, okay, I really want this card. I'm putting it back and other people will have access to it. Hopefully I can get to it first. So why haven't I heard about this game before? I think it flew under the radar. You know, it's it's funny you should say that because it's it came out in 2019. And my understanding is it actually got some decent hype from some of the like man versus meeple loved the game if i remember correctly but then yeah i don't know people just i people just don't talk about it i think it's because it's ugly it's okay like mm, the the the, artwork in game is fine the game box is dumb the game box is ugly the artwork is in, in within the game is actually quite lovely and simple and very um functional Okay, so there's two box covers. I have the 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 OG original box cover, and it's not good. Like they have just some random citizen people on the front, you know, smiling like everything's kosher. It looks like and a then, very generic Euro game. It does, hundred percent. And then they decided, Beige. you know what? We need to update this box cover. So what they ended up doing is they ended up just making a wheel that resembles the central board with a just different color of cards, and then that's it. So it doesn't even have any picture. It's just basically this wheel of color. Now it no longer looks like a dry euro. It looks like a like a Amerithrash, light Amerithrash game, which it's not either. Like It just doesn't, I don't know. The new box art, I don't think, does it a lot of justice. I don't know. I think this game is fantastic, and it needs almost, I, like, I want to have it, like, have this resurgence. We, we've talked, or I've talked about, how games I'll play online, I don't keep physical copies. I've talked about how I'm probably going to mm-hmm. get rid of Grand Austria Hotel because I play it too much online. Yeah, I play this game a ton online, and I still will never get rid of my physical copy just because of how much I love that game. It's just how quick it is and just, yeah, I it's such a good game. Such a good game. I love it. 
I yeah. love the tension it creates. I love drafting. I love moving up tracks and like there's consequences if you don't have enough food. So you're always like, ah, do I, do I take the food card? Like I'm saving my money for military, but I really need food, you know? And it, and it builds up too. Yep. You know, like all of a sudden you've got like, you start with one, you know, gold or one, you know, red, but then all at the end of the game, you have like 30, you know? So it's just, it builds really well. It has a nice ramping effect. And I think one of the mm-hmm. things that's also nice is you never get rid of anything. You're always just increasing those tracks. Yeah. It's not like you're paying or something, right? As long as you have enough to feed your people, you know, <laughs> which which is simple. Like you don't have to actually collect resources. You just have to go up this track. I, yep. And I like that a lot. Like there's no fiddliness of this. It's just moving your track marker up. It, yeah, it's a really, really good game. Solid game, yeah. And I like too that one of the things I didn't mention in the overview is you get a discount on buying cards based on how many color cards that you have. So if you have, let's say, three red cards and you have a red card that costs six money, mm-hmm. it now costs three because you already have three cards. Yeah. So you want to like kind of double down on your your strategy that you're doing. But also you do get, if you get these medals, you score seven points per set, complete set of cards, you know, one of each color. So that incentivizes you to get, you know, keep those nice and even. So you got to balance that. Like, do I want to go hardcore in one and get this, this huge discount and just keep going? like that way or do i want to be spread across the board and score and there's a lot of different end game scoring you can do as well with the wild cards and and with those medals and so you've got a lot of choices i i think it's really really good and and bob of course he totally dominated us you know we were all <laughs> learning a, it for the first time and he like tripled our scores and being ridiculous that's not how but, that went that's not how that went <laughs> but it, it didn't bother me like that would have a lot of games like a lot of those types of games where like okay bob's played a hundred times and i suck at it like i'm not gonna keep like great western trail like i'll never beat you at this game that game that's fine but hadara i feel like it's it's like okay i've grasped it i'm not gonna make that mistake i know the strategy i think i could do it and i think i could be competitive with bob within a few games of it you know what i mean it doesn't feel too like too complex um it's not like um, hidden. There's all these hidden things. You know, it's pretty straightforward. You can figure it out, but still challenging in a good way. Yeah, I agree. I think the learning curve to get good at it is not nearly as high as uh, one of those like complex Alexander Fitzger games. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. What would you rate it? I'm going to give it a nine. I really nice. liked it. Good, good. I <laughs> I knew I was going to like it. Uh, you know what? Like we're we got something coming up. And uh, I was like, Natasha, you got to play this game. (laughs) Like, you just got to play this game. And you know what? I was, I've rated it a nine. And I've come to realize through this podcast and through rating games, I, whatever I, there's no game that's ever going to get a 10 from me. There's only a handful of games. I'm giving this game a 10. I love this game. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why I would give this game a 10. Like, it is, like, it clicks on so many, like, things for me that, yeah, uh, gives you that little bit of tension. It's fast. You're drafting. You are moving up tracks. Like if you like any of that stuff, I mean, this game is for you. It re- it gives me this feeling of like Seven Wonders, but simpler. Yeah, it's not as like you don't have to worry about okay, how am I buying resources? That's completely thrown out. There are no resources in the game. It's just these different tracks. And these mm. tracks equate to the other things in the game. If you want it's a money. bunch of colonies, yeah. You want a bunch of colonies, go up military. If you want to carve statues, go up, you know, culture. 
it just it if you want a ton of money go up go up money it's Mm -hmm. yeah i love this game it's simple but the decisions and the strategy is is really interesting it's not simple like you know like boring like it's it's simple simple strategy with complex decisions and yeah, I think it's a great game. I think you should totally give it a 10. And I think if I continued playing it more and if I ever beat you at it, I would probably bump my rating up to a 10. Oh, you can, <laughs> I'm sure at some point you can. I'm not like unbeatable in the game. I have I have done well online. I am I'm ranked fairly high because on Yukata, they rank you per game. And it's like in order to keep moving up different ranks in that in that system, you got to have certain games over a certain threshold. And it's like the one game I have <laughs> that's over those <laughs> thresholds. So it keeps getting me moving on, but I definitely think people need to try this game. If you like drafting, if you like any of that stuff we talked about, this game is completely solid. That is Hadara. Yeah, I recommend checking it out. Just about anybody. All right, so the last game I want to talk about is Fun Facts. This is the newest game by Repost Production. So they did Just One and So Clover, um, and this is the next one in their line. It's got that nice, the same box size and nice components that those other two games have. It's designed by Casper Lapp. There's no art in this game. It's a co-op party game, and it plays four to eight. So you each take this little, um, it's kind of like an arrow. It points upward, and you write your name with a dry erase marker on it. And then uh, we're going to play over eight rounds. Somebody reads a question, and it's a question about yourself. Like, um, how many times do you go to the grocery store in one week? And you write your answer on the back of it, and the person who asked the question puts their marker down. And then the next person goes around and put their marker out, but they have to put it either. So let's say Bob was the one that read the question and I was next. Bob puts his out and then I have to decide, okay, do I go grocery shopping more than Bob or less? So I'd go, oh, I know Bob does the grocery shopping, his family. So I think I'm below Bob. And then the next person, you know, goes and they're up next and they're like, oh, okay, well, I think I grocery shop more than Natasha but less than Bob so I'll put it right in the middle between the two of them and then the next person adds theirs and they and they kind of slide in wherever they think and it goes all the way around comes back to whoever read the question so Bob read the question so then he could then take his marker and readjust it because he was the first one he didn't get any choice but he can readjust it and move it out wherever he wants without moving the other players and then you just flip them over and you just hope that you've all got it in the right order from lowest to highest and you take out any that um didn't fit the lowest to highest and then that's your score if you have got like five in a row that are all right you get five points if you had to take one out you'd get four points and you just kind of work together to try to get the highest score and it's really really fun it's it's one of those games that it's all about what makes it unique is that it's really all about getting to know or how much you know your gaming players and we don't do that with very many games you know like we kind of tend to just focus on the game and not each other but this game you are it's all about how much you know the other people but also how good they are at knowing themselves you know what i mean or like estimating themselves so one of the questions was like how many m&ms could you fit in your mouth in one <laughs> and it's like okay well we all know dan's got the biggest mouth but yep. is dan gonna give us the biggest number or is bob gonna overestimate how many <laughs> how many M&Ms he thinks he can get in his mouth. So it's a little bit because you can write whatever you want. It's a little bit about knowing the other person but also knowing what they think of themselves. You know, like mm-hmm. there was one like how many times a week do you exercise? Okay, so you can look at me and go, "Well, I know Natasha doesn't exercise that much, but she likes the things she does." 
So I think she's going to do like a high number, you know, <laughs> even if it's yep. not true, she's going to go for that high number. So I, it's kind of silly in that way. Like I, I tend to not enjoy the, these types of games that much because they're just silly and, and out there, but this one really worked really well. It was, and it's quick, you know, it's just, it's fun. Yeah. It was an interesting experience playing this game. This pet, the M&M thing. All right. We got to talk about this M&M thing. Cause we, we all we all put our numbers down and I was like, all right, I think I put down 42, right? Mm-hmm. And, and like somebody else put down 40 and we, we, for the most part, we got them where it needed to be. But then Dan's like 70. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, how would you ever fit 70 M&Ms in your mouth? And what I love about games is when this happens, when all of a sudden one of the guys playing Matt gets up and walks away. And, you know, we're wrapping up the game because it was the last question. All of a sudden, he comes back and throws two packs of M&Ms on the table. <laughs> He's like, prove it. When I found out one pack was like over 50, I was like, dude, I completely underestimate. I could fit a whole pack of M&Ms in my mouth for sure. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, The other game we played, we had a question like that. It was how long do you think you can hold your breath? And Jeremy's like 90 seconds. And Dan's like, bullshit. Like, <laughs> I don't believe that. Prove it. <laughs> prove it so he did he didn't hold he didn't make it to 90 but he did pretty darn close so it was fun i would recommend this game for families to like multi-generation families like big family events like with aunts and uncles and grandmas i think it's just be a lot of fun great to play with kids like you know they'd be a wild card because you don't actually know how honest they are you know (laughs) yes right like what are they? they are well one of the questions was um on a scale of one to 100, how much do you fear going to the dentist? Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting question because I don't fear going to the dentist, but I hate going to the dentist. Does yeah. that make sense? So yeah. like, how do I rate the fact that I don't like it, but it's not that I'm afraid of actually going? There was one question I, I do take a little a little offense to, I would say. And it was, <laughs> <laughs> so there, so there, <laughs> there was a question. It's like, how many tattoos do you have? <laughs> this is the we all nailed this one. Oh my god! Literally, all of us had zero, and Bob had like uh, uh, we have no idea how many tattoos. But the has. thing is, like at this point, I so I if people don't know me, I have I have tattoos, and uh, specifically, I'm working on uh, my sleeves currently. And to answer how many I have, I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I, I honestly have no clue. Because, like, do you count a sleeve that was start to finish one? Do you count each element in it? I don't know. So I was just like, I'm just going to put down, like, and the funny thing is it gets red and everyone starts laughing. And I was just like, clearly I'm going to be on top. And I was like, I, it doesn't even matter what number I put down. No, like, I thought maybe didn't. one other person might have one. Yeah, no, that wasn't the case. We no. were all zero. <laughs> so like, it didn't matter. Know, like 20 yeah. something. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> I went in, like, sessions. How many sessions have I done? It was like. 19 ish or something like that but yeah it i'm like what the heck you know (laughs) the thing is with this game i I do want to talk about party games typically with a game like this we just play right Mm -hmm. and in this game you do score and after you're done it tells you how well you did it's the same kind of thing in like just one or different things like that right Mm -hmm. and normally when i'm playing those types of games like just one so clover you get a score on how well you've done. And most of the time, I don't actually care. We just keep playing. We keep playing until we're done playing. Yeah. This game, for whatever reason, didn't make me think that way. 
It didn't make me feel like we'll just play until we're done. Does that make sense? It wasn't the experience was fun, but it wasn't like, all right, let's just keep playing until until we just finish like we're done. Yeah. Yeah. We we were ready to wrap it up, I think. Which is going to be part of the reason why I rate the game I do. If we want, we can get into ratings real quick. Me personally, I'm going to rate it a six and a half Mm -hmm. because I didn't feel like I wanted to keep playing it. Like just one when we sit down and play, you know, we set it up like it's an actual game. But then afterwards, we just keep playing. You know, we just Mm -hmm. keep playing until we decide, all right, we're, we're done for the night or whatever. Same thing with Soul Clover. Like, yes, you end up getting it, but you just end up playing a bunch of extra times that you just because you're having so much fun. And this game was fun and I enjoyed it. And it was fun to like get to know the people around us. But it didn't it didn't hit me to want to keep playing after we were done with what the game suggested we played. Sure. It was like eight rounds were done. Eight rounds were done. We're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. I, I, it, this isn't my wouldn't make my top five party games. Um but I still really enjoyed it for what it is, like comparing it to all other like how well do you know people around you and and like the that style game, like this game belongs in Target, you know, at the grocery store, yep. wherever. This is a game that should be in everybody's home to play like, you know, with their family for Thanksgiving. And I think it of this style game, it's one of the best. And so I'm rating it an eight um, and comparing it to like the this style of game i think it's really sure. really good for this style of game it's not a game that i'll sit there and play 20 rounds of like i would just one like there's a there's a set limit you play in just one you know but i'm like well let's just keep playing and keep playing you know for the activity of it but you know and there is a decent deck of cards but eventually you'd get through the whole thing so you know if you play it that many times it just wouldn't work to play like you know 20 rounds in a you know a session but but for what it is i think it's really really well done simple quality production um game and i recommend it for pretty much anybody that's just looking to have a fun little activity with their friends or family you know nothing deep nothing um you know nothing brain burning it's just a great you know this would be a great uh game to play with a team at work as well you know it goes up yeah. to eight which yep. is pretty good you know it'd be a little harder if you don't know the people but it'd be a fun way to get to know them um i recommend it for a lot of different groups of people um not necessarily probably for uh like if you're going to game night and you want to be challenged and think and you know that type of thing yeah i mean the game was good i don't like i'm i'm giving it a six and a half based on the fact that i want didn't want to keep playing it and that has to have some weight for me specifically because that's how i rate party games is just how long we keep going Mm -hmm. but I think, like you said, families, I think this game would be amazing. Yeah, After you guys finish your fight Thanksgiving, after everyone's mm-hmm. done arguing, play this game. You know, I think that would be, I Maybe think it would work really well. Instead of, instead of talking politics, you know, play this game. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Agreed. Yep. <laughs> All right. That's fun facts. Definitely check it out to add to your collection to play with your family. Maybe not so much your strategy board game collection, you know, but for a good family fun party game fun facts all right so i have a book i would like to recommend it is called the poppy war so this is a fantasy book where the main character rin ends up learning how to communicate and empower or gain power from gods so i want to say it's it has like a very asian culture feel to it where there's this society and you know when you turn a certain age you need to take a test and based on your results of the test you end up going to these different schools 
and Rin ends up being one of the highest and she's an orphan. So she ends up going to the school and she ends up doing pretty well in the school. But then there is this enemy that ends up attacking their country and they've, this would technically be like the third poppy war. They've, they've already had two against this particular enemy. Anyway, they reinvade and it's, it's based on, you know, Rin's journey through this entire thing and, and her ability to, connect with these gods so these gods are all ancient gods and for the most part people don't believe in them much anymore they used to they used to have shamans that would be able to communicate with the gods and a lot of people think that's just a bunch of hogwash but it turns out shamans are actually real and they can communicate and like channel through the gods but the problem is if you channel too much through the gods you end up going insane and they end up having to like or end up having to like imprison you for a while but anyway it's about her journey about how she was an orphan turned into a warrior and then she ends up becoming the shaman. It's it's received a lot of praise. There's three books in the series. I've only read the first one. I do have the second one on my to be read pile and I'm going to get to it, but the problem is the first one was is really heavy. So I kind of took a break from it and I'm going to end up coming back, but it is definitely um an interesting story about people being able to channel the spirit realm and talk to this pantheon of gods and she ends up channeling the one that's like all about vengeance and like, you know, it's the Phoenix. It's all about fire and everything like that. So I'm giving you some spoilers, but for the most part, like you read the back of the book and it kind of tells you all that. But I know I thought the book was really good. Like I said, it's the first in the three part series, but. Well, I have it. I found it on my library app. So I'm, I put it on hold here. That's not available just yet. It's But you kind of scared me off with it being heavy, but I'll give it a try. It's 19 hours. So it's a pretty Big book. It's a long book. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty decent book. It's there's just a lot going on. It follows the journey of war. So, do hmm. you think I'll like it? I don't. I have no idea. It's fantasy, so I'm going to say no. Right. But like my wife or whatever, I was talking to her about it because I started reading the book. She's like, "What's that?" And I kind of described it. She's like, "Oh, okay." So she ended up listening to it, and she really liked it. She sometimes listens to some of those like fantasy type stuff, but like, and she just started the second book because she took a break too, and so she's listening to the second book right now it's definitely interesting the journey that she goes through in order to get where she's at because like you're pulling for her but at the same time you're not it's hard to like it's hard to describe like you want her to be successful but at the same time she's making choices that are bad and you're like you don't like stop stop doing Mm. these choices like stop being and you're just you're just getting so frustrated sometimes with her but other times you're just like you want her to be successful. It's really it's really interesting the way the book makes you feel. But okay, so yeah, that is uh that is the Poppy War. Well, I'll give it a chat. Well, that's gonna wrap up this segment. We're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to be discussing our top five party games. Woo, party! Woo woo! <laughs> All right, welcome back for this next segment. We're gonna talk about party game. Woo party! Uh, I really like a lot of party games because um, I like I like, I like just doing fun activities with my friends. That is a good time. Do you think party games get a bad rap from like the board gaming community? Um, yeah, uh, uh, they certainly can. Yeah, because a lot of people, uh, it it kind of depends on your mindset, right? If you're gonna go to a board game night and play a strategy board game or a uh, you know war game or whatever, and then somebody gets out a party game, that's like kind of not what you're expecting, right? Sure. Where if you go to a party and you get a party game out, it will liven the party. You know, it, it, it really kind of depends on the social situation. But I, I I, really like going to board game night and playing 
a couple heavy games and then ending it with a fun party game. I, d- I have a lot of fun with party games and I like them. I don't care even if they're they're lucky, silly, fun games. But that's just my style, my taste, I guess. Yeah, there, sometimes it's really nice to be able to break up something really heavy with a party game. I enjoy them too. It's just, it feels like sometimes they they don't get the credit they deserve. Yeah, and, and, and they might be just for different audiences and that that's fine too, you know? I was taking a look at my list of party games and I realized... I have a very distinct style. Um, I have a list of seven. I'll talk about my top five. Um, they are all six of the six out of the seven are word games. <laughs> so when it comes to party <laughs> games, I like word games. Apparently, so it would seem. So it would seem. Yeah, I don't like trivia at all. Mostly because I don't know anything. So like, I'm terrible at trivia games. So I I steer away from those. I don't typically like games where you have to be really clever, like make up things like um, categories is one of those where you have to like make up like what words mean or make up um, like an acronym of some sort. I'm just not very clever enough to make things up. So I don't like games that involve being clever. (laughs) There's one. So there's one game I guarantee that's on your list that did not make mine. And when it comes to that, that's part of the reason why it's not on there is because I'm just not creative enough. And we'll get to that. But Okay. Um, what about your list? Do you have any like major themes? They seem to be all cooperative, but I wouldn't I don't know. I mean, I imagine you can probably draw some some info off of my particular list. I did go to thirteen though. I ended oh, up creating a list of thirteen. A good list. And some of them like, for example, like, I guess honorable mention, I had Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. It didn't make my top five, but I did put it in the list because mm-hmm. as much as it's a social deduction game, it's very much a party game yeah. in my mind, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's there were certain ones that had that, like, back and forth between the two that I wasn't 100% sure if, you know, what, what I would consider. Like, Ink and Gold is another one. I put that down as a party game because it's this yeah. push-your-luck kind of, you know, fun silly light little game yeah i do have one social deduction game on here and that's the one game that's not my word game so technically (laughs) i guess you could say it's a social deduction not a party game but i still put it on here so if you if i took it out then i would have 100 percent i feel like i feel like there's party games and then there's social deduction games and but the the difference between the two is extremely blurry right Mm -hmm. there a lot of times they're very they can be very similar there's a lot of social deduction games that can be very party game esque, and there's party games that end up start fringing on the on the social deduction part of things as well. You know, yeah, it's it's just an interesting those two categories how they can they almost like play off of each other and they intersect a lot. So I would describe like a party game as things that can play with a high player count. You know, doesn't require a very long teach. Can be taught in like one minute or less. You can just jump in and start playing. Um, you don't need to have any kind of like baseline understanding of board games or mechanics or anything like that. You could just jump in and play with just about anybody. That's kind of how I would define a party game. For sure. All right, let's get started. Bob, what's your number five? All right, my number five party game is Where Words. And this is a word game where one person knows the word and it's basically, I guess, 20 questions ask where it follows the theme of, you know, werewolf where somebody knows the word and other people are trying to guess the word and the one person who knows the word is trying to make sure that they don't guess it but not to the point where 
they can get outed, that kind of thing. So it's a nice social deduction aspect with everybody else where, like I said, one person knows the word, you're asking them questions. They either say yes or no. And then, you know, you can have different roles throughout there. Some people know it, some people don't. So it kind of integrates a word game with werewolf. And I really like that. And partly because my one issue with werewolf is the elimination part of things. That tends to suck, especially if you're eliminated first round. I really like this game. That is my number five, Werewords. I love Werewords. It was my number six. Was uh, it really? <laughs> it's just 20 questions is all it is. Yeah, it is. Fast yeah, yeah. And it's fun. And we, whenever we play that at game night, we like, we're like, okay, let's play it yet. Okay, let's play it yet. Okay. We ended up, we'll play it for like an hour or two because we play it so many times. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. My number five is Just One, which we just talked about earlier. I really like... Yeah, you just got to pick. There's a word out there. Everyone's got to try to get them to guess the word, but you can't duplicate anything that gets duplicated. Uh, the words that people choose gets eliminated. So you got to come up with a word that's clever enough that nobody else is going to think of, but also like gives enough clue to the word. And there's always an obvious word that somebody has to pick to give it to the person. But if multiple people pick it, then it gets cut off and then it's really hard to guess that word. It's just fun. It's one of those games that we just play over and over and over and over again. It's word chicken almost because there is that one basic word and you're like, who's going to say it? I'm, I'm not going to do it. Somebody else is going to do it. And then nobody does it. So then it's hard to guess. <laughs> yes. It's fun. I like the guessing part of the, the game. You know, it, it, it's gone over really, really well. I've played it with a lot of people. People that don't play board games love it because I think that's why I like word games so much is because almost everybody has played a word game. Like most people have played Scrabble or words like that. So people who aren't into board games still really like word games. And I think that's why it goes over so well. Yeah. Just one is a great one. Yep. Agreed. All right. So my number four is Telestrations, which is telephone the board game, really. Mm-hmm. So what you end up doing is you have everyone gets a pad, you write down a word, then you pass it to the next person. They see the word. They flip it to the next page. Then they have to draw it. And then the next person sees the drawing and has to create the word. And then you just keep doing that until it gets passed around. And then you just start looking at what, like, where the grapevine has took taken you, right? Yeah. The whole fun of this game is at the very end, everyone goes around the circle and flips over. Oh, my word was dog. Here's a picture of a dog. And everyone laughs at the stupid picture. Yeah, and then yeah. the next person guessed, oh, they guessed that it was a horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the next person drew a terrible horse. And that's the fun of the game is is revealing everyone's words and drawings. And we're like, oh, yeah, I, I can see why they guessed horse. You know, this game is this game is old. It's mass market in a lot of ways, but it's still yeah. just I it's still so much fun to look at that stuff afterwards. I some of the times I've I don't know if I've laughed as hard as I've laughed when you just see where this road takes you. You start off with dog and you end up with you know, potato chip. How who the heck knows? It just it ends up like spiraling out of control. Every uh-huh. time I've played it, it's always been fun. It's a game you can play a lot with. I mean, just about anybody, really. You're really good yeah. for non-gamers and stuff. I really, yeah. I really like I, this game. There's a After Dark version, which I actually don't recommend, even if you like that type of thing, because they're kind of tricky. Like, they're very specific um, or, like situations and whatnot, where, like, if you just play the regular version and your group likes dirty things, like, it'll dissolve dirty yeah, it, just yeah. fine. You don't need any help with that. <laughs> 
I have a good friend, Alex, who loves to say, just let it unfold organically. That's all yes. you have to do with this game. Let yes. it unfold organically. You don't need the dirty version. Like your group can take it wherever they want it to go. It'll yeah, it'll go, there, it'll go there by itself. Yeah. 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 So yeah, my number four, Telestrations. All right. My number four is called Stay Cool. Bob, have you played this one? Yes, I have. <laughs> I just love it. It's so oh, stupid. Oh, man. It is. This game is <laughs> intense. The whole point is to stay cool. It's really hard. Um, so when you're the active player, all you have to do is guess. You have to answer questions that the person on your right is asking you. At the same time that the you have to, um, the person on your left is also asking you these questions and you have to come up with these words. You've got dice in front of you that have letters on each side. So they ask you a really simple question like, um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but they're like four, are they three or four letter words? Yeah, like maybe like a feline. And so then you're like cat. All right, you got to spell cat with the dice. At the same, that's super easy, right? At the same time, somebody else on the right side is asking you really basic questions like, what's bigger, an elephant, a mouse, or a house? And you're like trying to think, you know which one is bigger while you're trying to find cat on the dice and and it's super simple but man is it fun and it's fun it's fun to watch this all unfold so you can play with a large group of people it's only one active player so the other people at the table aren't doing anything but you're still a hundred percent entertained watching this person try to come up with the super simple word that they can't even think of because they're focusing on the other question and you try to do that as quick as you can. The whole point is to get through this list. You get points for it. Go around the table. And then the next time, it's time. So you have to do it with the time. The next time you do it again, now you have to flip the timer over yourself or something. I have, there's changes with the timer rule. So yeah. each time yep. it gets harder and harder. The, the third time, like the timer is completely... Uh, the second time you have to watch the timer, make sure you flip it before it gets um, to timed out. And then the last time, you can't even see the timer. You have to tell somebody to flip it without ever seeing it you have to be answering questions creating words on dice and then trying to in your head internally keep track of 30 seconds uh-huh. but it escalates so the first time around yeah. you don't have to worry about that and the first time around is hard enough it but. is an intense intense game and there's every time i've played it i have felt completely and utterly stupid the entire time because it's mm-hmm. just like rapid fire like people just drilling you with stuff and it's hard to like focus your mind on everything that's going on. It can be, it's, oof, it's a game. <laughs> this is not a game for everybody. If that, no. if it sounds like it's going to stress you out and you don't enjoy that, you probably won't like this game. But if stress, if you enjoy being stressed out, then you'll love it. And this was one of the 13 I included, but it was number 12. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's my number four. Stay cool because I love being stressed out and I love even more watching other people squirm and get stressed out. That's yeah, I can see that. All <laughs> right. My number three is uh, So Clover. So this is a cooperative word game. I'm sure it's going to be on Natasha's list. But so what it is, is you have a. It is. It's my number three as well, actually. <laughs> is it really? So we'll just. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll just move in. Yeah, all right. It is. You have a four leaf clover. And then what you end up doing is you have words. You have these little words that end up getting put into these four quadrants. And then above each quadrant, you basically have to like write words so people can end up figuring out what orientation the words are supposed to be in because there's words on all four sides of this particular card. Mm-hmm. So then what you end up doing is you have those four cards, but then a fifth one gets thrown in there. So then you set it out in front and people have to try to figure out, all right, 
this card, this thing here says sword, you know, or knight. And then you have a card that says sword. All right. So sword probably goes here, but the next one on the side of it is like princess. And then above it, it's like royalty. So, you know, that card goes there, but it's just, it's one of those games that it's cooperative and and it's one of those games that you have to be creative in the way you come up with things. And it makes you feel smart in yes. a lot of ways. You feel smart coming up with the clues. Actually, I should that's a lie. You feel stupid coming up with the <laughs> clues because it never stupid. works out the way you want it to work out. Yeah. But you feel really smart when people like get your clues. So you have to combine. It's code word-esque where you have to combine two words. You have to come up with a word that you can relate to two different words and oftentimes they're completely unrelatable, you know, and, and you can have to play your audience. Like you can't, you can't give a clue that relates to a TV show that nobody's seen. But if you know a couple of people have seen that show, you can absolutely include that reference there. So it's got this interesting, I don't know, coming up. I think it really works your brain in a way that you don't have to be smart, but you you just have to understand what words mean and, and be able to relate them and be, and be okay with them not being perfect. Yeah, sometimes you just you put a word and hope that it doesn't co- it correlates perfectly to one and not the other, and you just kind of hope that they make the right guess mm-hmm. you based know? on the other words that they have. And yeah, the other I play. Clue. I actually play this a lot with my son. We really like it. It's a you're supposed to play three to six, but it plays just fine at two. You just each do your own, and then you just swap and try to figure each other's clues out, and it's fun. I lo- I love this game a lot. I will say this game I do like on lighter player counts. I don't one person's doing it then everyone else needs to guess so in a six player game there's five people trying to figure it out and it's just i think it's just too many people yeah it works i it works great at three three or four i think yeah it's not that it's yeah it's too many people trying to guess one word kind of all crowded over the few pieces yeah you're right i think lower player is good i would say two to four is perfect yeah so that is our i guess our collective number three yeah so clover yeah uh which feels weird because then i go again all right so my number two is going to be Letter Jam, which is a game by Checks Game Edition. This game, you come up with a five-letter word for the person to one of your to your left. I think is it your left? I don't know. It doesn't you really pass matter. it to your left. Yeah. Yep. So you create a five-letter word, and they take the word, they shuffle it up, and they place the letters in front of them randomly, face down. You don't know what they are, and what you do is you take one of the cards, you flip it face up, and you put it in this little holder away from you, so you don't know what they are. And the whole object is to try to figure out what your word is. So your word is automatically scrambled. So you have to then unscramble it. But what you're trying to do is figure out what the letters are. So as a player, you have access to seeing everyone else's letters. So then you have these set of chips and you come up with a word. So maybe, you know, uh, the word I come up with is barn and Jeremy has a B. So I'll put a one chip in front of him. You know, Natasha has an A. So I'll put the two chip in front of her. There's a card in the center that's an R, so I'll put the three chip there. That let's say Shay has the N, so then I would put that chip in front of him, and then you know now you have to try to figure out the word. So Jeremy knows it's A R N. Natasha knows it's B blank R N, right? And Shay yeah. he knows it's B A R. So Shay is going to have a hard time figuring out what his letter is because that could be he could have an E, he could have an N. You know, I have a pretty good idea. I don't think it could be, it could be born. So I could have an O or an A. So then you say something like that. You're like, okay, I could have an O or an A. So then Jeremy's like, okay, it might be, you know, whatever. It could, okay, then it might be a B or it might be this. So then you're just trying yeah. to figure out the word together. Yeah, he might think, 
well, if Natasha thinks it's an O, then I can't have a Y because then it couldn't be yarn. That's not a word. You know, because he was thinking maybe it was yarn. But if Natasha has an O, then then that why would she think she'd have an O if I have a Y? So it's got to be a B. You know, kind of you rule. You can tell each other what you think you have, and that actually gives you clues. And that I think is the interesting part, really. Yeah. Then you figure out. So then you you hope you figured out your word, and at the end you just try to unscramble your word, and then yeah, figure it out. I really. I really like this game. I think it's I think it's fun. I think it gets can get creative. Yeah, I really I really enjoy this game. So yeah, my number two, Letter Jam. Yeah, I enjoy it a lot. It was my number seven. All right, my number two is my only one that is not my word game. It's my social deduction game, and it's called Skull. And I fit it under party game because it's so simple. Bob, have you played this one? I have not. Nope. Okay, so you get four discs and they're like coasters or like you put a cup on they're like just plain old coasters um they all have a three of them have a flower symbol and one of them has a skull and the skull is bad like if you end up getting um two skulls you lose the game on your turn what you want to do is try to to flip over as many tiles as you can without flip revealing a skull and if you reveal a skull then you um you know lose you lose the game if you reveal two of them so on your turn you have to say how many skulls you can you can flip over or you pass or sorry how many tiles you can flip over without hitting a skull um or you pass and then you have to say more than the person to your set so i would lay my tile down upside down and then say okay i can flip over one tile that is not a skull and then the next person would lay their tile down and they'd say i can flip over two um and it kind of go you kind of goes around and escalates so in order to you know, um, Bob wants to choose something, he would have to say three. But if he knows that he can't flip over three flowers, he would get a skull, then he would pass and he'd be out of the round. But the trick is that you have to flip over your own first. So you want to put the skull under there to get other people to flip over your tile. But if you are left last and everyone else is passed, then you have to start flipping and you have to flip over yours first. So if you lied and try to trick them into thinking that you had good tiles and that yours were flowers and not skulls, you will be, you know, you'll have to reveal yours and, and your skull first and then you'd be out. Hmm. And so you want to try to convince people by being confident that you can flip over tiles that you don't have a skull there so if you're confident then they think that you don't have a skull they think that they know that they don't have a skull so they'll pick you and then they'll bust you know by flipping over a skull but if if you don't trick everybody and they think that you're full of it then it'll then they'll keep passing and now it's on you and you have to flip over yours and you'll reveal a skull and lose it's really really fun and quick and just one of those things that stressful and 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 just a lot of fun simple Hmm, i'd give it a go Sounds yeah. interesting. It plays well with you know a lot of people. That is Skull, my number two. All right. My number one game has already been mentioned by Natasha, and that is Just One. Mm. I really love this game. We already talked about the dynamic of trying to pick a word that is obscure enough that other people won't say it, but then easy enough that helps you actually pick the word and more often than not like nobody ends up picking the easy word because everyone thinks somebody else is going to do it i've had so much fun playing this game and, and it is that game counter to fun facts i've played this game to the point where like i don't even know i honestly don't know the rules like on how many you're supposed to actually play we just play until we're done 
mm-hmm. and then you know it is what it is so i yeah this game makes you feel really clever when you come up with stuff and people figure it out and they end up putting all the clues together i yeah i really enjoy this game so my number one just one all right my number one is one of my favorite games of all time can i guess it yeah code names of course it's code names i yeah, love code names yeah it's yeah. like the best game ever I just love it. I've had so much fun with it. And it is truly, truly a party game because um, we had it set up like all weekend when we were camping and people come and play it and they then they play like a game and they leave and another person comes, another person comes halfway through. Like it doesn't matter how many people are playing because you've got two teams. You can join either team and, you know, you can go back and forth. It's just one of those games you can come and go with. You've got a, a as long as you've got a clue giver that give you the clues, you can just come sit, play one round and walk away and give your opinion and then leave and screw up everybody. It doesn't matter. It's just a fun, fun word game, like similar to Password, where you can only give out one clue. You try to guess as many words as you can with that one clue. And man, when you come up with a good clue, you just feel so clever. And when you've got a good teammate that really gets you and gets your line of thinking, um, it's a lot of fun. And it's also fun to be on the opposing team and being like, oh, you know, that word could be it and trying to throw them off and be like, I don't know, you know, you, you could eat, you can eat rocks, like some cowsy rocks that could be, a, rocks could be the word, you know, you just try to throw them, throw them off, you know, it's just a lot of fun. One of my favorite games ever. I recommend Code Games and Code Names Duet. This game makes me feel dumb. And partly because I am terrible at giving clues. Like I, I'm so awful. It's not even <laughs> funny. For whatever reason, I always end up being saying something. The most I'll ever say is like two, you know, mm-hmm. like money two or money one. It's just, I, for whatever you reason, you can't connect words together. It's like, it's too risky for me to connect. You're kind of a perfectionist in that way. Like, you're like, it has to be perfect or it doesn't, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I think I'm more a risk taker and comfortable with in the unknown space and i think that's why i enjoy it so much so i'd recommend for you i would recommend playing codenames duet but with teams because then you guys can work together to come up with clues you're not there's no hot seat of being the clue giver that stresses you out recommend codenames duet i do i do prefer trying to figure out what i'd rather not be the clue giver in Mm -hmm. that situation so and you could play that you could play codenames and never be the clue giver if you're yeah but then you know you lose like you're playing like it feels like you're playing half a game that way. Yeah. You know? So. Well, Codenames Duet, then. You ought to try that as a team game because you guys could work together to come up with the clues for your opponents. There's sure. no one person having to do it all. Um, I don't recommend any of the code names that are um, IPs. Like, there's a Harry Potter, Disney. There's quite a few different ones. I think that they're really hard because all of the words are so similar. I recommend base code names and base code name duet. Code name pictures is fine, but none of the IP ones. They're just mm. it's not as fun to play. That's my number one. One of the best games ever made, code names. All right. That's our list of fun party games. Hope you enjoy word games as much as we do, because that's really yeah. what the list could have been. Pretty much. Right. <laughs> that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Uh, join us next week. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Everyone have a great week. See you next week.